You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. Thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Well, I got something in me, and it's coming out. Amen. And uh, so many times, I just want to say this, Ann, so many, Pastor Ann, sorry, I got to, uh, that so many times I, I get accused of praying. I always pray after, you know, because I don't say they don't pray right, but it's so important. To honor the Holy Spirit as the great teacher and the one that's going to bring wisdom and revelation and open the eyes of our understanding so we can know things. You know, it's one thing you need to understand is God's word in your head will inform you. God's word in your heart will transform you. And we won't transform it. The Pharisees had God's word in their head. That's right. And Jesus came and brought the same word and placed it in people's hearts and called it truth. Because until it's in your heart, you won't be set free. Scripture won't set you free. Truth will. All right. Are you ready to go someplace you hadn't been before? Oh, I'm cranked up. The reason I'm, I'm extra motivated this morning because usually Pastor John, Pastor Ann leave when I'm here. And I don't get to save his soul. <laughs> you know, the scripture says a man that wins a soul is wise. That's not talking about soul winning as far as, you know, winning someone to the Lord and having their new nature brought into the. That's talking about taking their thoughts, their feelings, and their emotions and converting those to what's happened in the spirit. Amen. That takes a wise person to do that. Amen? Amen. All right. So we're going to talk about some things this morning that I know that's. Uh, that when, when, when I got a hold of the sound system, okay, we, we'll just press on. I won't worry about that. I don't have much time. John chapter 21. That's the last book, the last chapter in the book of John. John chapter 1. Uh, I cannot come up with a uh, title for this. I was going to call it Deja Vu. <laughs> now, you probably don't know that Deja Vu is in the Bible, but you're going to hear it today. And uh, but, but it's uh, this is unusual. So, uh, I want you to, can, can you dim the lights out here a little bit? Uh, can so, so one of the, just turn the, just, just down a little bit. I want to set the stage like you're at a movie. <laughs> All right, that's enough, because I still got to read the word. Of course, some of you have those electronic, you notice when you say they got enough and they keep on going, that means they're not listening. Okay, that's all right. They're just trying to make it better. So what I want you to understand here, this is that what we're going to read is so powerful, and there's, there's going to be a lot of information that you've never heard, and please don't get caught up on the information, but you've got to have the information that make the end. You understand? And so like in a movie, like in a movie, you know those movies that start with some action scene, and then... then uh, it stops and says, 
you know, so many years earlier. And they go back and catch you up to where what's going on is happening, right? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, okay. I'm here. You know me. We can respond. Okay, so, so you know, those movies that go back, you know, so many years, and it catches you up. That's what we're going to do right now. So, right here, we're going to start in, in, in chapter 21, verse 1. And it says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. And actually, if you read over in 14, verse 14, it's talking about this is the third time Jesus has appeared to the disciples after his resurrection. Okay? So let's go on here. And it says, verse 2 Simon Peter, Thomas called uh, Didymus. Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, said to them, I'm going fishing. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. But remember, this is just the beginning of the movie. He says, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And, and, and that night, everybody say night. night. They caught nothing. But when the morning, say morning, morning. Had, had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you had any food? They said to him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were, uh, excuse me, and now they were not able to draw in it because it was the multitude of fish. Therefore... That disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, I think this is interesting. It's written by the book of John. I mean, John wrote this. This is his letter. And he's saying there's one disciple that Jesus loved the most. Right. <laughs> See, the author has that privilege. That's, right. yeah. That's like saying that I'm better looking than the rest of my brothers because they're not here to defend. You know what I'm saying? And so John has, but see, there's something true to that is that John had a revelation of God's, Jesus' love for him so he could see how much Jesus really loved him. Because it's all, when you begin, see, when you can say that God loves you more than anybody else in the world is when you've really come to revelation of how much God loves you. Because he loves everybody just like you. Everybody feels like God loves them better than anybody else in the world. That's what, if you don't feel that way, that means you have not experienced the totality of God's love in your life. When you can say, oh, he, I'm his special. See, every mama, every child, does a mama love any? No, she loves every child like that. Oh, you got all my love. She tells that to all 12 kids. You know what I'm saying? So, okay, let's go on. Therefore, that disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. There it is. Now the movie starts. The movie just started. We, you had that first scene of these men sitting on the bank, going out, going fishing, and it's at night, and the morning comes, and they hadn't caught any. It's the Lord. And Peter puts, you don't notice he puts on his outer garment. Yeah. See, we need to understand. We're going to talk about some Jewish culture this morning, and some we're going to have to bypass because we don't have enough time. But how many, you, you realize, how many people have ever been in a boat? 
And before you jumped in, you put on all your clothes. No. <laughs> you know, you put on your jacket and jumped in the water. Right. Never. See, we read past this stuff because we don't understand it because we're Americans. And so we're going to kind of bring in some information that make, you know, the Americans don't know about this morning. But we stop and think about it. And so here's the scene. Peter puts on his outer garment and he jumps in the water. He goes under the water and the screen goes dark and you get this 33 years earlier. <laughs> and so now we're going to go back to when Jesus was born. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it this way since the tree's over here. So now we're over here. <laughs> Those that hadn't been here long, they, they don't know what that's all about. And so, you still see the tree though, don't you? Yeah. Oh, see, that's good. Okay. So Jesus is born. And one of the things you need to understand that in the Jewish culture, now this information is found in what is called the Talmud in the Mishnah. The Talmud is like 22 volumes of books cost like $2,500. I didn't go buy one, but you can look it up on the internet for free, okay? And there's the Mishnah. These are, all, these are books that guide the Jewish people in their culture and how to interpret the Torah or the law. And so whenever we read stories in the Bible, we must understand them according to the culture that these, these stories and, and, and this information was given. And so what we need to understand, in the time of Jesus, in the culture of the Jewish people, and I'm going to relate this to a, as a Texan, or since I was raised in Texas, I'm Red River, okay? I'm Red River, just on the other side. You know, you know what I'm talking about. I'm just on the other side of the Red River. But uh, playing football is big in Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah, and, and it's everybody's not everybody, but in my time, back in the day, it was everybody's dream that if they had a son, that that son would become a football hero. Play for the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys. What, no amen? No, okay. <laughs> for the Dallas Cowboys, and not just play for the Dallas Cowboys, but be the quarterback. Amen. There you go. Say, I knew I'd get one. Okay. And see, that, that, that was the same mindset with the Jewish people. Not that they wanted their child to be a, a, a football hero, but they wanted them to be a rabbi. To so the same thing in the, the Catholic culture. If, if a Catholic family has a son, one of my sons, to be a priest. Right. Now see, in the, in the Jewish culture, if you were born in the, the tribe of Levi, you, that's the only people that could be a, a priest in, in the within the Jewish culture was the tribe of Levi. But all the other tribes had what they called rabbis. And as soon as the child was born, oh, this child, if it's a male child, they go, is it going to be, can he become, will he qualify, is he good enough, is he special enough to be a rabbi? And so all their life, all their culture is bent around making a child a rabbi because there's, no other, there's another more important position to the culture of the people than the rabbi. And, and so at the age of six, now the child can't read at the age of six, but there's a, uh, there's a testing at the age of six for every male child in the Jewish culture. And if they can quote the book of Leviticus <laughs> at the age of six, wow. now they don't quote it like verse, chapter, verse, they do it this way, and you've probably seen this on the movies. Well, they'll start saying a, a series of verse, and, and, and the adults will start saying it, and they'll stop, and the child will pick up where the 
parents left off and finish that verse. And they'll pick up another verse. And the child has to understand the book of Leviticus in that form and manner. If the child can do that, it's like listen to you teach your children nursery rhymes, they teach them the book of Leviticus. So it's not that far-fetched when you look at it that way. But if a child can do that, and they can do that at the age of six, they go into a school called the Bet Safar. Say Bet Safar. Bet Safar. That's a schooling. It's not a building like elementary school and you send your child there. It's done within the culture of the community. And it's a type of teaching. And it's an emphasis that, hey, this child is better and more qualified to go further into rabbi school than the ones that couldn't do that. So they don't even, the rest of the children don't even get to play this game. And so they get into a school called the Bet Safar, and from six to 12, now they're taught the Torah. So not, in addition to the book of Leviticus, they're starting to learn Genesis, Exodus, and the rest of the books of the Torah, the five books of the Bible. And it's done the same way at 12 years old, they go through that same process that they did in the book of Leviticus, but now there's something different. Because a rabbi doesn't answer people's questions, a true good rabbi is gifted in asking questions that keep people talking about God. So it's not like, like pastors in America, they're supposed to answer all the questions. Well, what does this mean? No, a rabbi will say, well, what do you think it means? And make them, a good rabbi will continue the conversation about God and see how long they can get someone talking about God and the Torah and the Word. That's the gifted rabbi. And so one of the things, they, they, they have to do the Torah, and then they're judged on the types of questions they can ask to keep them talking about God. Okay, we've gone back to the 33s earlier. Now, Jesus is... Uh, <clears throat> 12 years old. Where's Jesus at at 12 years old? He's in the temple. His mom and daddy come back and say, well, where have you been? He says, I've been here about my father's business. And what does the word say that Jesus was astonishing the people in the temple? They were amazed at the wisdom and the questions he was asking. Because from 6 to 12, he had been trained by his own people in his own town in this Bet Safar process. And when he got to where he was at, where there was a temple, he stood in there and he took the test. And they were amazed at the wisdom, the knowledge, and the questions that he was asking. Now, what's so important about that? Because at the age of 12, there's a schooling called the Bet Talmud. That if a child that would pass the Bet Safar would now enter a Bet Talmud, the Bet Talmud is the process of becoming a rabbi. You can only become a rabbi if you pass the Bet Safar. And at 12 years old, you entered into the Bet Talmud. You know how you entered the Bet Talmud? Because the other rabbis would come and see these young people who had passed all this training and came to a place of great knowledge and ability to ask the right questions to keep people thinking about God. And the person, would, the, person the rabbi, would always come to one, would pick this, I can't say, I'll say it now, will pick the disciple, is what they're called. 
They're not a disciple until the rabbi picks them. And he picks them with the understanding of this person will do more than I. You getting a picture here? Yeah. We're going to put it together in a second. And so, Jesus passes the... Now, at Jesus' time, there were two... And what Thank you. Yeah. If, if a child doesn't get picked, doesn't pass the bet safar, or in this process of the bet talmid, which is a long period of time, we'll talk about in a second, they're always told, this is what is said. They says, go be about your father's business. It's like saying, okay, you played football in grade school in the Boys Club of America, but you're not good enough to play in junior high. So go do something else. Got it? And all along this way, for 18 years, the Bet Talmud is a process that, that a person is being trained to be a rabbi. And there's three sections of this process. And at any time he doesn't pass the process, he's told... Go be about your father's business. In other words, there's severe rejection. There's great disappointment. There's a, the, oh, you've let down the whole family. You understand? You're not good enough. Go do your father's business. And that's what they did. They would all, Jesus was a carpenter because his father was a, I should say his daddy, but his father was a carpenter. Yeah. All right? So we need, you start seeing this process. Now, now when, what was the last, what was the, how old was Jesus, the last we hear of Jesus? No, the last we hear in his childhood, he was 12 years old. And how old is he when you start hearing about him again? Oh, I got to go this way. 30. 30, right? He's 30. How many years is that? That's 18 years. Now, along the way, when the, 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 the priest, not the priest, the rabbi confronts the 12-year-old, he says, come follow me. And he puts a yoke on him. A yoke of learning and, and, and a way of, of living. And every rabbi has a different yoke. Some of you, I'm going to explain it, but some of you are getting this picture already. This is the process the Jewish people lived in. That was this is their culture. This is the way. So when we read stories about when Jesus said, my yoke is, and my burden is, follow, see how I do it. You don't understand. This was so real to them. This meant, now, that, that, so the rabbi would say, come follow me in this process of training. Now, when you come out of Bet Safar, there's two ways you can come out of. Now, during, at the time of Jesus's, when he was about 16, there was two uh, rabbis, or what were called master rabbis, uh, that died. They were the only two that were there. And within a short period of time, they both died and, and there wasn't any master rabbis left that was part of this culture. Because there's two ways you can come out of the culture of Bet Safar, or Bet Talmud, excuse me. And that is as a rabbi, and or a rabbi with what is called Samika. Say the word Samika. 
See, you say these things, you might remember them. Now, a rabbi that graduates at a rabbi school, just a normal rabbi, he only has authority, say authority, authority. to speak and say and teach, and his yoke is, he, can, he can't add anything or take any way, anything away from the yoke that he carried from his rabbi. It's a process of transferring information and continuing a certain way of thought into the next generation. And so a rabbi can only say and do the way he was taught and did. You got that? But a rabbi with Samika has a different authority. A rabbi with Samika has qualified to the highest degree. And he has the ability not only to read the word, but he has the ability and the authority to interpret the word. He can change his yoke in the way of learning. Now, let's just add some scripture to this. How many times has Jesus called good teacher? Or even when he came across one of his disciples, his disciple called him master. Jesus wasn't just a rabbi. Jesus qualified as a master rabbi with Samika. Think about this for a second. Jesus was in the temple and they brought a lady in a, that was called in adultery. And now let's, let's pull out the story. The Pharisee said, or says, the law of Moses says this. What do you say? How do you interpret? Oh. How about this? In the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he walks into the first church. I was going to say something. I'm say, he walks into a nearby synagogue. <laughs> and they hand him the scroll. Do we really think, people, that you can just be anybody on the street and they're going to ask, they give you the scroll, no, the Torah, no. and ask you to read it? And then no. it's not Sunday school class in the First Baptist Church of, that I went to <laughs> that you had to read your paragraph and sit down. Right. They didn't do that. You didn't touch the Torah. Right. But yet when Jesus walked in, they said, oh, here. Read, and what did he do? Now that he read, he interpreted what he read and said, Now, today, this scripture has been fulfilled. <laughs> they only hand the Torah to people with authority to either quote it and are quoted and interpret it. He was a master rabbi with Samika, he had authority. How about the scriptures that say, oh, no other man. How does this man teach with such? Think about this. Jesus' first message. There were thousands of people. Now, he had been healing people and demonstrating a, a power and an authority that they hadn't seen. And they came to hear what this person had to 
They had seen what he was doing. Now they wanted to hear what he had to say because Jesus was a master rabbi able to interpret the law that they'd been under all their life. And he interpreted, see, the Pharisees had been interpreting that law under fear. And Jesus interpreted the law under love. Under grace. Now, so now we got the picture. Jesus got this great sermon he just did, thousands. That explains why so many people came to hear him. Then he's out strolling along the lakeside. He's taking a little walk. Look, there's some fishermen out there in the boat. Now, however you want to look at it, I mean, let's just work with the movie here. <laughs> hey, you fishermen in the boat, catch anything? No. Hey. Put it on the other side. But we told, no. Let's do it. Trust me. What do they do? Cast out there? Oh, lots of fish. Oh, bring the boats, bring the boats. <laughs> right? Now, stop and think about this. And, and make a long story short, because I am short on time, but at the end of that story, Jesus says, follow You didn't get it yet. People that didn't qualify over here. That had already gone back to their father's business. That had already let their family down. That already didn't realize that they weren't good enough. That knew Jesus was a master rabbi. Jesus already healed Peter's mother. He knew. And when he heard the words, come, follow, it was a second chance. It's called, we call it in golf. Not that you would ever use that phrase. I'm looking at David Davis, he's a golfer. A do-over or a mulligan. They got a mulligan. They got a do-over in life. Stop and think about this. See, that story makes no sense would, would, you, would Jesus really call somebody to, oh, I like your style or whatever, come follow me. Leave your family, your children, and all your responsibilities, and just, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to go do what God's called me to do and leave my responsibilities. That's not God. That's not God. But guess what? See, our evangelism, I love our, I love our evangelism in American church. Oh, when someone gets to rock bottom, oh God, oh God, bring them to rock bottom so they get to know you, Jesus. Oh Lord, when they get to rock bottom, may you appear to them and may they see your glory and come back to them. Did I do that good? Anybody? Anybody ever heard that before? Bless God. This is how Jesus evangelizes. He puts so many fish in their net. Amen. They couldn't help but see his glory. <laughs> he blessed their father's business to the degree the father could now support the family that they left behind. And they were excited and supportive of them leaving because now their son and their husband and their daddy had a chance to become a rabbi because they were now a disciple. Wow. <sighs> oh, the whole family's excited. They didn't have... Now, now stop and think about this. Now, I'm, I don't mean to offend anybody. 
So don't get offended by this if I, if I touch something personal. But a man, a man's going to, a man could leave his wife. A man can leave his house. A man can leave his children. He's not going to leave his boat. You feel me? He ain't going to leave his boat. That's, where they were. That's how powerful this invitation was. He had a chance to be more than anybody else ever thought he could be. To be something special. Because a rabbi only picks those that are going to do more and greater than them. <laughs> he, he wasn't 12. Four fishermen. All grown men about, being about their father's business. All fishermen. Already been told they're not good enough. Now we advance the story ahead a little bit. Time of the crucifixion. We're going to pick on Peter. Of course, we know what happened to Judas. He betrayed Jesus. Thomas doubted Jesus. Peter denied Jesus. But wait a minute. Why do we just read the story and don't look at it? Let's just read it. No, no, we don't have time to read it. What time is it? We don't have time. We're, amen, they got rid of the clock. <laughs> Hallelujah. Freedom's in this place. <laughs> That's me trying to jam, if you hadn't figured that out. That's the best I can do. Jesus says to Peter, Peter, you're going to, before the rooster cries, crows three times. You're going to deny me. Oh, no. I'll die for you. Satan's going to sift you as wheat. And you'll deny me three times. Now, you can read that, but if you draw, just go over a couple verses, you, you can read when he actually denied him. What was the scenario? What was the scenario? Now, we're going to start painting the movie again. That over here, when Jesus called to them in the boat, they had been fishing all. And now it was in the early, don't say morning, but it was in the early, they had, they could start seeing. What, what do we call that? Dawn. It was in that, that time of in-between. And, then, you know, so, so now Peter, guess when he did not, when's a rooster crow? So the night had already passed, and they're sitting around this, say, say the word fire, and you, you, can you see the movie getting dark? And it's kind of, you can kind of see the people around from the, there's the, the, the glow of the fire. And they're all a bunch of people around and they got fire. You know, you can only see the fire on the, the, the face on the side of the fire is on. And it's over here. And it's kind of starting to get in light. And the lady, rec oh, I recognize you. This is one that followed him. No, it's not. In, in the light of the fire, right? You got the picture? 
And, he do, and the rooster crows how many times? Three times. Okay. Now, let's go back to the book of John. Got it? So, now the movie's catching up. We've gone through time. You can fill in all the blanks because they all fit. Verse 7 and verse 21. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, to, uh, loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. So now you get to see that picture all over again in the movie. Peter jumped off the, he's coming up, now he comes up, he's swimming, he's dragging this big old heavy garment that he put on. We don't have time to talk about what that meant, but it's cool. You need to read about it. It's easy to understand. Okay, I'll tell him. Well, we need to understand that Jesus had just died, and these guys are sitting around and saying, what are we going to do for a living now? Obviously, we can't do what God's called us to do because Jesus died. It's over. Our leader is. And they said, see, they, they, when he said, we're going to go fishing, they weren't recreational fishermen. They didn't do that. It was their business. They had just decided when Peter said, all right, I'm done with ministry. Oh, I should stand over here next to Larry. <laughs> I'm done with ministry. I'm going back to my father's business. So are we. They're all going back. Because their master rabbi had, they had no faith. What a disappointment. Only three years following somebody, listening to every word. All right. So the, the movie picks up Jesus. But the other, verse 8, but the other disciples came in the little boat. Say little boat. Because they had a big boat. And the little boat was used to take the nets out and circle the fish. And then they'd work off the big boat like an office because they were way out in, usually way out. In the, but they weren't that far. And so they got in the little boat that had the net attached to it and just came to shore dragging. Did everybody see the picture? Dragging the fish with them that was in the, in the, in the net. And so you, you got this picture, right? So you got to work with the movie here. Uh, if I was a, in Hollywood, I'd made this already. Uh, verse 9 says, Then as soon as they had come into the land, they saw the fire and coals. Wait a minute. When were they out fishing? Say at night. What time of day was it that they were coming in? They're in the morning. They're in that twilight. That dawn. And now there's another fire. Now wait a minute. Is this deja vu? Are we seeing something? Wait a minute. Didn't Jesus introduce himself to them personally over here at daylight? By the lake while they were fishing? And told them to cast their net, and the, you, you're hearing the same thing again. Right. Deja vu. <laughs> I don't know what she'd call that. Wow. 153 fish came in, big ones. Big ones. Big ones. Now, if you know anything about Jewish culture, every letter has a number. 
Some people believe that the number 153 spells out the, word, the words, I am God. But it spells out other things, so I'm not going to stand up and preach that. I'll plant a seed, but I'm not going to preach it. Watch this. So we, you got the scene. There's the fire. And Jesus said, bring some of the, it says, let me go verse eight, 9 again. Then as soon as they had come into the land, they saw fire and coals there and fish laid on it. They, Jesus already caught some fish. We don't talk about that. And bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish with, uh, which you have caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there was so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet, uh, yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he had uh, raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, stop right there. Peter had denied him. Thomas had doubted him. Judas had betrayed him. The rest of his disciples fled from him. John was at the cross, but didn't believe he was going to be risen from the grave. The Jewish people had abandoned him. And not one time did he bring up what they did sitting around the fire. The same flames of fire. He didn't say, gentlemen, why did you doubt me? Why did you abandon me? Why did you leave me alone? Why did you flee from me? You only eat, in the Jewish culture, you only eat with somebody that you are at peace with. Now, all this would be for naught if we couldn't bring it down to our usable applicable Christian living. It'd just be a bunch of information. How many of us has done something we think disqualified us from the ministry? And we went and we went back to being about our father's business or what the world has to say. You gave up because something you did, said, didn't do, didn't say. Some performance level sin on your part. You thought God was holding over you and keeping against you. Maybe you were divorced and you didn't think you could be back in ministry. Maybe you said some things that was really bad. Maybe you, your lifestyle, maybe you've been in jail. Maybe something, fill in the blank and you don't think you're good enough. And Jesus, matter of fact, one of the last things he says here after he's talking to Peter is, gentlemen, come follow me. Again. 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 
Another, think about it. A master rabbi that you thought you'd done something so wrong walks up to you again and says, Gentlemen, come, follow me. And you're letting your little bitty problems keep you from following him. Jesus is still calling. Come. Some of you have great musical talents and abilities. And for some reason you think some negative about it. Come. Follow. Him. Some of you think you may have done something so bad. No. Come. Follow. But, you know, we're not done. I never wore it, but I got the little bracelets. What would Jesus do? Let me tell you what Jesus did. When it comes to relationships, He wouldn't let what someone else thought they did to break relationship, no. to stand in the way. Amen. He said, come. Come back to me. How many of us have let what someone else has done to us keep us from loving them? How many people in our lives do we need to say, hey, not even talk about it, don't even bring it up. Jesus didn't even bring it up that he was betrayed, denied, and doubted and abandoned. Some of our parents abandoned us. Don't even bring it up. Jesus didn't. Go love them. Your husband may have abandoned you. Your wife, your children, a worker, somebody. See, see, this happened in the Bible. Don't think we're different. John, listen, Paul and John Mark and Barnabas, they had some issues. But Paul got over it, didn't bring it up, and said, come on, John Mark, let's get back in it. Let's go on. Amen. What relationships have we abandoned because of some reason that God intended for us to live in and benefit from. Forever. Forever. Ministry relationships. Yeah. I used to get mad at churches, pastors, I'd invite them to my church and they never invited me to their church. You know, I heard a message this weekend. It was so good. Moment or a movement? <laughs> I'm so, so, I've been so worried about, oh, I'm just worried about me. Why are you worried about you when you're involved in one of the greatest movements yeah. that God yeah. is a part of? You're worried about what's happening to you and who's hurt you. Get over it. Build the relationships. Don't let what you've done keep you from following Him. Amen. Jesus is your master rabbi. Let me, let me close with this. Let me show you how funny Jesus is as a master rabbi. 
See, see, you can only be a disciple to a rabbi. How many people here are disciples? But you forgot about the rabbi. You just, it's a title. You can't be a disciple unless you have answered the question, come, follow me, and put on the yoke, and follow the teaching, and repeat what he said, Amen. and is saying, because Say he, he is the master Amen. rabbi Glory to God. that is still alive. Good word. And he said, greater things are you going to do than what I did. Because you're so qualified. Amen. And you're letting these little bitty things keep you from following him. Oh, come on now. We need, we need to understand. We need to understand that nothing will separate you from the love of God. Nothing will keep you from reaching out and using your authority that you've been given. It is such a beautiful thing we need to understand that God is a good God. And you've been given the grace of God and He's made a way for you. Do you think you've been given authority so you can use it in heaven? Do you think you've been given authority to heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons in heaven? No. <laughs> 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 Don't even get to start talking about heaven. You're saying that and I'm going to like, oh. How many people ever heard the message on, on hell, fire and brimstone, right? Yeah. There's about seven times hell and fire are in the same contents. Yeah. 267 times fire is mentioned in heaven. <laughs> you scared of fire? No. You may not want to go to heaven. Why is fire our motivation? <laughs> it shouldn't be. My message to you this morning is to realize that the master rabbi is still calling, come, follow me. I don't care who you are. It ain't over. Come on. Jesus is calling, come follow me. He wants you to be a rabbi. He wants you to represent him and his lifestyle on this earth. Amen? Love those that you need to love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Get over the issues. Don't let the issues of life be a problem. Father, we thank you for this time you've given us to be together. Holy Spirit, you are the great teacher. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're going to put this word in their heart and not their head. This is so real. This is so real. You called to Jesus and said, See, see, see let, me, let me just share this. Church, so, so many times we think going to heaven is a reward for us, for us doing good. It's a reward of Jesus. You're the joy that was set before him. That's why he endured the cross. No matter what you've done or what you haven't done, what you said, what you haven't said, you're the joy that was set before him. Jesus said this to Peter, Peter, 
If you love me. Do you love me? Yes. Now wait a minute. Do you think maybe Jesus was bringing him back? How many times did Peter deny him? And what was it around? It was around a fire in the morning. See, I got this picture at the end of the movie. This fire right here. And Peter is on this side. And the fire shining on his face. And then Peter on this side. And the fire shining on his face. This side of his face. And almost in parallel where he denies him, he says he loves him. Deja vu. I hope you get a deja vu. You go back to the first time when Jesus called you. The first time that you met your first love. The first time you heard your master rabbi said, come, follow me. Come on, church. This place should be filled. Your heart should be filled. Your home should be filled. What you do should change. Why you do what you do should change for the glory of God. We're so focused on us. When all the time Jesus said, follow me. Not according to your works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Amen. 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 Father, we thank you for this, this morning. We thank you for this time you've given us to open up your wisdom and your logic. I thank you, Father that you are who you are. You are my daddy. You're my father. And may I be about my father's business. In Jesus' name, amen.